Hello and welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, recruiting, and more. You can always check out our stories at the Michigan Insider on 247sports.com, uh, 247sports.com slash Michigan, whatever the best way for you to get there uh, it works for you. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz is going to join me overall in this podcast. They just released the new 24-7 sports rankings for the 2019 class. Uh, normally that's you know, worth a worth a story or two, but Steve's got a lot of stories because there were some major, major moves. And since I think this podcast will come after that, uh, one of the big ones, Zach Charbonnet, is now ranked 40th. He was 219th. He's now 40th. David Ajabo, I think he was like 514 uh, on 24/7's rankings, not the composite. He was like 463 in the composite, or some somewhere around there. But he's now a top 200 recruit. Something that you know, Steve opined about last week is that a lot of these recruits, uh, especially those two in particular, Eric Gray moved up a few spots. He's still a top 100 guy in our eyes. You know, their ranks lower in the composite, uh, but they they probably were sort of ground floor undiscovered gem recruits. Uh, but anyway, we will talk about that in the in the back half of this show. We got some big questions about Michigan's defense. Uh, someone was asking about the the two deep. I'm going to have a story probably Saturday or Sunday detailing the 10 biggest questions surrounding Michigan's defense. I have been, if you have not followed, over at 247sports.com, I've been doing these like 1,500-word, very in-depth things, tackling the three biggest questions at each position group. Special teams will come out tomorrow morning, but cornerback came out last night, linebacker came out earlier in the week, defensive end last week. And we've already done the offense. We've actually discussed the offense on the podcast uh, about a month ago. So so be sure to check that out if you haven't yet. But we're going to try to combine the two. We're going to talk about the key questions surrounding Michigan's defense and and also kind of looking at this too deep because, you know, a lot of the questions have to do with, you know, they're kind of it's a positional, positional breakdown. So uh, Steve's going to jump in, but he has to publish some stuff first, so he will simply say that he is back when he is back. But for now, looking at this defense, uh, we'll start at the front. Obviously, this this should come as a shock to literally no one, but uh, we, we project Rashawn Gary and Chase Winovich to be starters at the defensive end position. I mean, both of them, I think they're ranked third and ninth in in pass rush productivity. Uh, I think they are quarterback pressures. They were third and ninth in quarterback pressures. Pass rush productivity, because they played so many snaps, they were technically a little bit lower. But regardless, I mean, two two absolute freaks. Uh, I know that there was one person who was uh, reaching out to some of us reporters and asking, you know, when was the last time, or has Michigan ever had two players with 10 sacks or more in a season? And it's never happened. And then they were also asking about 20 tackles for loss. It has happened once. Uh, Hammerstein and in someone's name who escapes me. But regardless, I mean, we're talking, historically speaking, this has never happened. Those inside the locker room think that it can happen this year. And and we'll talk about the linebackers in a second, but they also think, you know, it might not just be Gary and Winovich. So, so yeah, those two are absolute locks. You know, I, I don't think that should come. <laughs> as too much surprise. I mean, they were both all Big Ten defensive linemen last year. Uh, you know, depending on 
you know, the All-American lists, I, people ask, oh, is such and such an All-American? I mean, it's going to depend on how the numbers shake out because I, I think I said this the other day on Inside the Huddle. If Michigan wanted someone to set the single-season sack record of 12 or break it, or if they wanted someone to break, uh, you know, the tackles for loss record in the 20s, you know, Don Brown could scheme it up for that way. But what he's going to scheme it up is is team sacks. So it'll be curious. It'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. But, you know, the big question there, and one that I do think is fair, Rashawn Gary and Chase Winovich. Uh, Chase Winovich was was top 10 against the run in stop rate, but Rashawn Gary was was not. He actually, uh, I, I don't know, I don't know if it's fair to call it a concern, but it was something where uh, he was ranked against the run 142nd in stop rate. Chase Winovich was 13th. This is out of 241 power conference defensive ends. So, you know, I don't think, I think every criticism of Rashawn Gary has to come with a little bit of a grain of salt that he is still a freak and a beast. It's just a matter of, is he the best defensive end in the country? Because he has that potential, right? But if, 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 is he the best or, is it something where he's just very, very good, another All-Big Ten season? I think the key for him, one, probably just as far as All-American and some of these awards, getting that sack total up. You know, his his quarterback pressures, he had 50 quarterback pressures. He did not have 10 sacks. You know, to me, that's someone who who is right there, right, right on the precipice. Uh, it's just about actually bringing the quarterback down. Yeah, he ended up with five and a half sacks, so... Uh, out of 50 quarterback pressures, five only you only actually brought him down five or six times. Uh, probably, probably some room there. But I think the run defense is actually on the defensive line. Uh, not, again, concern. I use that term lightly. A real concern is stuff that's going on with Michigan's offensive line. It's stuff that's happening at the safety position, which we'll talk about in a moment. But uh, you know, Michigan. You know, in in all fairness. Right, they were, they were not. They were they were okay against the run. They ranked twenty fourth, twenty sixth, and and thirty fourth in in yards per game, yards per play, touchdowns allowed. Meanwhile, their pass defense was ranked first, fifth, and fourth in those three categories. So, you know, again, concern is relative, but it, it is something to keep an eye on. And I think one player that's really going to help with that this year. Talking about the defensive tackle, Aubrey Solomon. Quietly was Michigan's 17th best player last season in pro football focus, which again, for someone who who was not the starter in weeks in the first few weeks of the season, who who was a freshman, you know, to, to kind of sneak into that group uh, is pretty impressive. And it, he was Michigan's best run stopper, not named Mo Hurst. And that's and that's pretty pretty darn impressive. He was ranked 10th out of 202 qualified defensive tackles in run stop rate. Brian Monet, meanwhile, you know, the guy he's supposedly going to play over, uh, was ranked 151st. So, so pretty large, uh, significant gap there. But Solomon should help with that run defense. I think he's going to, it's, you know, I don't think Mo Hurst is going to be replaced and Solomon won't, won't even be at the same position that Hurst was. But I think he's someone that's going to be able to do a lot of the things Mo Hurst added to that defense last year. Because again, right, like like you know, Rashawn Gary and Chase Winovich, 
can probably be kept away from the quarterback and be kept away from the play if you don't have anyone at the tackle position. But Aubrey Solomon, uh, all signs point to him being a star. I mean, he was a five-star, you know, top 25 recruit. Uh, you know, the only other ones that Michigan's had under Harbaugh, Brill Peppers, Rashawn Gary, you know, we haven't seen a, everything from Donovan Peoples-Jones, but, I mean, it's a pretty pretty elite company the way he's able to move for his size. The other guy to keep an eye on is starters. I think we're all in agreement, Michael Dwemfor. You know, I mean, you can go down the list. Jim Harbaugh pro- called him the number one guy that's having a great spring. Greg Madison said he has a lot of Mo Hurst in him. Uh, you know, Rashawn Gary called him ridiculous and said, you're going to see it when the time comes. Cesar Ruiz called him a baller like five times in a row. Uh, you know, Kalik Hudson commended him. You know, Don Brown was talking about him. It's just, I think spring spring quotes are always spring quotes, but when there's enough of them, because we heard a ton about Rashawn Gary and Kalik Hudson last year. And so when there's enough of those spring quotes, you can start to buy into it a little bit. And plus, you know, I think people look at Michael Dwumfor and and talk about, you know, he wasn't a highly rated recruit. Uh, you know, athletically speaking, he isn't that crazy, you know, he isn't he isn't a freak like like your Aubrey Solomons or Sean Gary's are. But at that nose tackle position, or I guess at that tackle position in general. But, you know, I mean, Ryan Glasgow, walk on, Willie Henry, low three star. You know, Mo Hurst was ranked 266, but even he was kind of uh, someone that people weren't totally sure was going to be an instant hit. Matt Godin, can't remember what he was ranked, but it wasn't especially high. You know, that's a lot of that's a lot of guys he just sent to the NFL at that tackle position, and and I think it'll be interesting because there isn't a a senior NFL caliber tackle. That's the first time in a while that Michigan's been in that boat. But I do think between those two. You have to feel pretty good. Uh, backups, Lawrence Marshall, Brian Monet. I think, you know, if you're reading between the lines, I don't think they would have been asked back for their fifth year if Michigan didn't think that they could produce. Because there are, you know, defensive tackles that can <laughs> that can play behind them. But those two, I assume, are your backups. I know, I know Brian Monet is someone, I mean, he even admitted. You know, it's just, he has trouble, like, staying focused in, in practice and, and sometimes he has trouble maximizing what he can do in the weight room or or this or that. But I mean, he's someone that's like, you know, just he's he's a guy. I mean, he's he's your freak recruit. If he if things come together, you know, like it did for Ty Isaac, like it did, uh, you know, for Patrick Kugler, guys who did not live up to the recruiting rankings but were able to produce as seniors. Well, then you then you might have something, you know. And so uh, behind him, I mean, you're looking at. Deron Irving Bay, Donovan Jeter, but they're redshirt freshmen. Hard to tell what you get out of them. But again, you know, if I think Michigan will take young, hungry, and working hard over over the fifth year seniors, especially at a position like that, where where Don Brown and and Greg Madison have just sort of mastered the the year to year cycle of of production. I actually do think the defensive line is going to rotate more. I mean, Quiddy Pay is up to two sixty five. You know, 25 pounds over over last year's weight. Uh, Carlo Kemp, when we saw him, he looked like he was in pretty good shape. Now, that was during the spring. I, I guess things can change, but, you know, he's someone I think can be productive. Luigi Villain, I think people forget. I mean, he was like, maybe maybe people don't forget. But but he was a top 100 recruit at the defensive end position, was banged up last year. 
So we didn't get to really see him. I don't think we saw him at all. Maybe maybe we did, and I, I just forgot. But didn't see enough for me to, to really think too much of it. But, I mean, this this defensive line, they lose Mo Hurst, which is a tremendous loss. But they literally bring back everybody and add, uh, you know, Aiden Hutchinson, who people are really excited about. Julius Welshoff is probably one of your luxury take-your-time recruits. Uh, Taylor Upshaw, uh, Steve might be able to weigh in once he gets back, but I don't I'm really. Back. Oh, you're back? There you go. What, look at that timing. So, anyway, talking defensive line, uh, I kind of hammered out what's up with the starters, but but anything to add on on some of these redshirt freshmen, Villain, Irving Bay, Jeter, Pae, uh, and then the incoming freshmen, Upshaw, Hutchinson, Welshoff. Are any of them cracking into the into the two deep this year? Uh. Yeah, I think Quiddy, obviously, I think mm-hmm. you mentioned him. He's kind of the – he was the lowest-ranked one. Yeah. Too, so, uh, <laughs> now, was he low-ranked because of his size, or was there no, something else? Okay. Rhode Island. I yeah. mean, that's really – and didn't really do a lot, a ton of the camp stuff. Um, I think he did a little bit, but, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, that's the suspicion I get. He tested so well. He was an elite athlete for his size. Um kind of like a mini Ojabo. We were talking about the guys that bumped way up the rankings today, but kind of that same idea or just a relatively raw, but uh, not as raw as Ojabo is. Right. Because Ojabo is probably not going to play year one. But, uh, you know, a guy I feel like maybe, I guess what I would say is maybe evaluators just assumed that he was raw because, you know, because he's from Rhode Island. I don't know. You know, (laughs) so I know Michigan loved him right away. That was a no doubter for them. Yeah. yeah, I've got him and him and Kemp. I've got them yeah, make, yep. seeing significant time. Is well, Aiden Hutchinson? I think, Lawrence, I think Lawrence Marshall. Yeah, will be in the mix somewhere there too. Um, well, because they wouldn't have brought them back. Him and Monet. I don't think they bring them back if there isn't something right. there that they it believe be, in. It could be a really, really deep, you know, rotation. I mean, I know that the two guys that I'm most interested. Uh, Donovan Jeter, who I think probably would have seen some snaps last year if he hadn't gotten hurt. Um, and then Irving Bay, who we heard good things about this spring as a guy that... Are they both still tackles? I probably like... They're, they're, I call them Wormleys. Okay. Sure. That makes you know sense. I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so... Um, you know, those are guys that I'm I'm interested to see, and then Luigi, obviously, yeah. I mean, really, a guy that probably the same as Jeter. If he hadn't gotten hurt, probably would have seen some playing time in year one. Physically, is just an absolute specimen. Um, I don't believe that his injury situation is something that's like chronic or anything like that. I think he's just had a couple bad breaks there. So, um, I mean, the potential depth up front is mind-boggling almost well that Uh, can make an impact you know I was looking it up and and Michigan their defensive stats I can pull it up while you talk about it but I mean it it was something you know I think the offense didn't help but it did seem like that defense slowed down especially against some of the teams that actually have offenses to keep up like your Wisconsin Ohio State and South Carolina I don't know I don't know I don't know what you think but I felt like the lack of depth probably ended up resulting in a little bit less defensive pressure in the third and fourth quarters, but it seems no, like that's huge. Yeah. That's really important. I mean, and if you, and that's the thing is like, it's all about, 
you but you also you don't rotate for the sake of rotating i mean you don't want to have a such a drop off mm-hmm. you know that that a fresh second stringer or a fresh you know second line guy is a huge drop off from a first string guy who maybe is a little aghast you know so there's that idea of making sure that they're actually good uh, but again, right. I mean, a lot of these young guys, this is their second, third year. So you got to assume that at some point it's, they would at least be good enough to be part of a second rotation. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, Winovich coming back and Solomon's early emergence, I think has, has really built you know, the possibility has really increased the possibility. And even really, again, I think at the end of the year that Lawrence Marshall was playing some pretty good football. I know Greg Madison raved about him. Um, and it provided that progression has kind of continued. Uh, having some of those guys develop really gives those second, that second unit and third unit. Really, like I said, we've named almost everybody at this point. Because <laughs> yeah. here's the thing, here's the thing. I do think Aiden Hutchinson is a guy that could, again, I know the red shirt rule. Can we just, for, for projection sake, I just want to stop. I'm not going to count the red shirt rule when I'm talking about this stuff anymore, because you could say yeah, play meaningful snaps. Yeah. Cause yeah. technically everybody's eligible now. So I get it, but it's like more, yeah, it's more like not playing in the fourth quarter when you're up by three touchdowns type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Hutchinson could definitely, be a guy in that in that regard um it's just really a matter of you know there are those guys the jeters the irving bays who you know we don't really are don't really know for sure where they're at i mean they may be in great shape they may be looking excellent it's just it's kind of one of those things that you can hear things sometimes but it doesn't you're never going to really know the full story till you actually see them on the field um, right yeah. but i do think hutchinson easily of the guys they recruited last year is definitely the guy that you know, well, if he looks he, like he did in the All-American game. Yeah, no, he was excellent in the All-American game. I mean, he outplayed Jackson Carmen, the Ohio kid who eventually signed with Clemson and I think was a top 10 overall player, yep. um, you know, and, and that's always a good – that late in the process, uh, you see what he looked like too. I think there's that picture of the defensive line eating dinner. I mean, Hutchinson looked massive. He looked way bigger than I remember him being. So, hmm. um, so yeah, I mean, there's – you know, some definitely potential there. Uh, Upshaw, Welshoff are more guys I think are going to take a little bit of time. Yeah, but, yeah it makes sense. Um, definitely Welshoff. Upshaw is kind of a little bit, one of the more, I guess, enigmatic guys that they recruited is like eventually could get there. I don't know, maybe he could get there quickly. I don't know, but I don't suspect that he will. So, right. um, so yeah, no, I mean, they're, they're the firepower and then just developing depth they have up front is – I mean, it rivals 2016, really, you know, because they were rotating two full units by the end of the year that year. Um, and Well, and we didn't really know what we were getting, you know, I don't think anyone knew what they were going to get out of Chase Winovich that year. Right. You know, right, I mean, it's exactly. not like, it's not like, you know, Mo Hurst, I think people had seen in 2015, but it wasn't like at the level that it was. I mean, it, it, Greg Madison's third year track record. And I'm sure, you know, I'm sure he won't make an excuse about second-year players. Not, you know, I think he would love for anyone to step up whenever. But you know, looking at all those guys he sent to the NFL, Henry, Wormley, Charlton, 
uh, Glasgow, you know, Winovich Hurst, you can throw them in. You know, it. the people who their, their second to third year splits are just incredible. You know, once they get into that rotation, now it's not, you know, 100% hit rate. No one's is, but it's like, it's just this like snap of the finger. All of a sudden, they're the next guys, regardless of what position they were before. You know, Chase Winovich went from tight end to uh, rather exceptional, you know, pass rushing threat in a year. At yeah, I that's I don't know. We'll see. We'll see which of them step up. But it seems more like a someone will. It's just a matter of who rather than Agreed. if. Yeah, absolutely. I mean this. And that's the th- here we are talking about you know these recruiting rankings and how great it is that for Michigan that they got some bumps, but it's even with the, these type of it takes time still you know I mean you are going to have your occasional freshman you know like a Rashawn who's going to who can walk in and and make an impact, um, but more often than not even your four star guys it's not a matter of walking through the door and you know playing you know seeing 50 or 60 snaps a game to begin, you know? So, um, I mean, even a guy as talented as Solomon, it took pretty much by the end of the year for him to get there. And, uh, yeah. you know, so, and, and again, he was, he's probably just off sheer talent, probably was the closest they've gotten to Rashawn as far as just recruiting wise. So, right. um, so it takes a little bit of time with these guys, but yeah, I mean, it should be one of the absolute best, defensive units period any position uh in the country this year i mean and that's like you said it you know what if two of those guys turn out you know what i mean like yeah. that's the thing is like <laughs> and, that's, and that's all very possible mm-hmm. between pay and kemp and jeter and irving bay and valaine and even hutchinson like if even like two of those guys take huge steps forward I mean, you talk about dangerous. I mean, they'll be throwing out some, you know, opposing tackles will have an elite pass rusher on the other side of them every single snap of the game. And that's that's very rare. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that's how – it's also how you beat Wisconsin, right, who brings back all five offensive linemen or Ohio State yeah. who has, you know, rec- is recruiting so well or, or these other teams that have other things, have other advantages over Michigan – but they they just I mean they're gonna have to do it every single snap. By the way, the defensive numbers uh, against Wisconsin, Ohio State, South Carolina. Since I said I would pull these up in the first half, those three teams averaged 101.7 yards and eight points. In the second half, they averaged 223.3 yards and 19 points. So yeah. so and I don't think that's all on defensive line. And with that, I will transition to the linebackers, but. Uh, certainly something to keep an eye on with that depth is, you know, even if it's like a second down that is a, a, a throwaway pass instead of a, you know, six yard scramble or something, you know, it can be, it can make a big difference and it can add up. I think the offense is as much to blame for those second half splits as anybody, but uh, certainly I you would be hard pressed to find a team that didn't want more depth, especially in the sport of football. <laughs> you know, it's like, like show me a position coach that, only really wants four starters and wants to go with that. So so having more guys can be big. Uh, but moving on to the linebackers, since we have a whole podcast to get through, I I actually will tell you what, Steve. When I did the three questions about the linebackers and I started looking into Klee Hudson and Devin Bush's stats, I think they might be the best two players on the team. I If I were making a vote, it would be... 
Devin Bush one, Khalid Hudson two, Rashawn or Chase Winovich three, and then so on and so on because I just it's it's surreal. I didn't realize how good they were in coverage, and I didn't realize how good they were at tackling. The two of them combined. I don't know. I don't know if you've seen come across this stat, but the two of them combined for 172 tackles this past season, and they had four missed tackles. Yeah, it's not a surprise. I mean, it's just I, you know, and and, and it's and to have that at a linebacker position, because by the way, you know, this is not to throw him under the bus. Mike McRae had 10 missed tackles himself. Right. right? Tyree Kinnell and Josh Metellus combined for 17 missed tackles. Yep. And but but Khalid Cuts and Devin Bush, I mean, their hit rate is like ninety seven point five percent on tackling a guy, maybe even higher than that. I haven't actually done all the math in my head, but you know, th- so so throw in four missed tackles and the fact they averaged two tackles for loss and a sack per game, and the fact that they had what four turnovers, four first four forced turnovers between them, uh, the fact that they uh, Devin Bush only. Line, inside linebacker in the country to be top 10 and pro football focus in uh, coverage. So receptions per cover snap, pass rushing productivity. Uh, you know, he had 20, 24 quarterback pressures in 105 pass rushing snaps. So one out of four times he was sent to blitz, he got to the quarterback in some way. And tackling efficiency. And Khalid Hudson leads all linebackers and safeties in Pass rushing productivity. He was in the same boat. He had 95 blitzes and got to the quarterback 25 times, and 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 he he only missed one tackle. He had 77 tackles this year. He only missed one. Devin Bush missed three in the first three weeks. Didn't miss one the rest of the way. I mean, it's just it's just so it's so surreal, Steve. That I don't. I almost like don't even feel like the rest of the two deep needs to be discussed because as long as they're healthy, this is going to be. Frankly, I think that I, you know, if we're doing that debate, defensive line versus linebackers, I would almost put the linebackers ahead just because of how. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, how good Bush and Hudson are. I mean, it's you know, and I think everyone believed that they were good and they can be all Americans. They're they're probably all Big Ten linebackers, but it's like their their ability to do a lot of things well is just it's. I think well, I think you- this season is going to be pretty spectacular for both of them i i mean i feel like i don't know if it was on the podcast or i wrote it or in a chat or something i mean i said i thought there was a real possibility by the end of the year that hudson would be considered michigan's best overall player on the team Mm -hmm. i mean the way he finished you know because a lot of the stats he accumulated were in the second half of the season yeah um he was amazing by the end of the year i mean and then again this is first year playing that position and you can't underestimate like you can't underestimate the idea that there is room for progression still just because of that simple fact. Mm-hmm. I mean, both of those guys are first-year starters. Uh, that's what's, you know, yeah. I mean, you talk about a position that's in good hands for the for the future. I mean, I think there's a real possibility. You know, I think it's Josh Ross and Devin Gill especially. Yeah, uh, out yeah, the, those are the two. McCray's. Right. I think there's a real possibility. I think Josh Ross has the potential to to upgrade that spot like immediately. Um, I know some in the program think he's going to be a better player than James Ross was, which, uh, you know, James Ross was a really good, I mean, did he get drafted or did he sign an under, was he undrafted signed? I think he was undrafted, but, but still in college, 
He was a four-year starter yeah. for Michigan. James walked in right away and played. I believe he walked in and started. Um, you know, I, so I that's going to be really interesting to see. Again, if you get a stud in that, like, you know, say it's Josh Ross. And I'm not trying to – I'm not sleeping on Devin Gill because he's come a really, really long ways. Uh, he's already, in my opinion – I know when, when Michigan recruited Gill, there were some in the area, you know, in Florida that didn't even think he was D1 – Hmm. a D1 caliber player. Now, I disagreed immediately because I think most people, we had him listed as a safety, which I don't think Michigan's plan was ever really to play him at safety. I mean, maybe, but I think the plan was always linebacker, which would change, probably change the, change some people's outlook of him, uh, you know, before he had enrolled. But, uh, you know, I think he definitely has a shot in that race. I'm not trying, but I think Ross is a guy with a higher ceiling for sure. And uh, so if you, again, I mean, watch Ross on special teams last year, he looks like, he looks like that heat seeking missile that could be their third guy. And yeah, I agree. And so, you know, you, you, we talk about like, Hey, if Donovan Jeter or one of these other guys like really takes a big leap forward, I mean, what if a guy like Ross does, Mm -hmm. I mean, and then what's the ceiling for this defense, (laughs) you know, like, and that's, that's what I mean, though, because really, I think in a lot of ways, I don't know if you'd agree, Zach, I don't even know if the numbers bear it out or not. I feel like Mike McCray had a better junior year than he did senior year. He did. He did. Yeah. I feel I feel very – it's one of those things where you watch and, and it's just unfortunate because he was considered a top 100 draft prospect. Yeah. And no. he was below average. I did the, the stats for Bush and Hudson, and I kept like seeing where McCray was at, and he was he, right around average – and just about everything under pro football focus, which is not the only way to measure a player's ability. But I mean, you know, the, the 10 missed tackles, it seemed like he got exploited a lot in coverage. Uh, I mean, to the point where like Penn state was literally just switching, which side of the ball Saquon Barkley was going to be on based on where McCray was. Yep. Yeah. And that's, and that's like, it's a little unfair, like docking him too much for that is a little unfair because, I don't know if any of the backers on any roster would really be able to cover him one-on-one. <laughs> that's, that's a good point, yeah. <laughs> but, no, but that's not the only game that those issues crept up in, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's just the easy one to point at because of the Well, result. because it was so blunt, right? They were like, yeah, we're exactly. going to switch sides. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. Um, but, but, yeah. 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 No, I think it's going to be uh, – I think that's, I just, that's the thing is, like, the ceiling of this team – and the, the defense and this team, yeah, could just be so much higher with just a couple. Just just need two or three guys to really just take a leap forward. Mm-hmm. You know. So with the two deep, since we did get asked about it, I guess what, what do we know anything about this second platoon? I mean, Singleton, kind of like Valane, a very forgotten Singleton safely Singleton safely in there. Top one hundred recruit. I think people kind of forget that that he was so good. And Jordan Anthony was in a similar boat. Uh, I heard a bunch about Uche. I don't. Yep. I don't really know yep. exactly where he fits in. I guess I I pegged him on our board as a backup viper, but I don't know. I don't know what Michigan's plan is. Uh, it's just one of those things where it's like you list all these top tier recruits, and then it's like you have Noah Furbush, who was uh, productive in some package situations last year. You have Jordan Glasgow. You know, are you ever going to doubt a Glasgow again in your entire life? Cameron McGrone, a, a five star in the eyes of twenty four sevens rankers. Uh, I don't know what what his plan is, but I I think I don't know. I look at this linebacker group 
or really I did I did all three defensive positions in the past week or so and it's like how how did they I mean not, it's not this like total crazy thing because they've been a pretty good defense for a while but I, I feel like this is a deeper defense than I remember in 2016 I think 2016 was more experienced so there were more guys that you knew could do the job but I mean it's well, one of those on, it's like that second that second string linebacker group I would put it you know in the top three or four in the Big Ten I, you know I, I agree yeah. Wait, their second string, you would put their second string unit as one of the best units in the conference, period, if they were starters? I, I think so. Well, think okay, about this. No, like, no, so, so, no I just, yeah. I'm not disagreeing. I just was trying to clarify. Because Devin Gill, um, Josh Uche, Drew Singleton, I mean, you'd, you'd take that out yeah. to the field. You know. No, I agree. I agree. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I think they're deeper in the back back half. You know, they had their they had the, the studs. Well, I guess Clark. I mean, but I because I think that's kind of the thing we're talking about when we talked about how great all these the front seven guys are. But then I think the guy who takes the biggest leap forward this year is, Ooh, is nice Avery segue, Thomas. nice segue. You know, and so then you look at cornerback where it. It's, I mean, I feel like both Long and Hill, even though Hill, I know again, Pro Football Focus does a great job of like cutting through the BS and just kind of just they they stand by their statistics and guys get hyped up as such because they're the only publication or anybody that has given long or hill a ton of love especially long who probably probably the most underrated underappreciated player on the team at Mm -hmm. this point in my opinion um you know as as really like you know two guys that in their opinion at least playing all American level football by the end of the year. Yeah. And and so you add again Ambry Thomas who is quote in my opinion next as far as like the next great Michigan cornerback out of Detroit. Mm-hmm. And uh you know I I do I think he's a guy he's he'd be my pick to take sort of a big leap forward which means he'd be the third that's <laughs> that third cornerback, you know, and so that's how Over Watson you think? Oh yeah. I mean, okay. Ambry's, yeah. I mean, he's well because I know he's a freak, like, right? And he got he got a lot of one for like spring love, but Watson was not too shabby at corner. Yeah, I get that, but yeah. you, then you start talking about ceilings and progressions, and and Thomas is, you know, Jordan wasn't an impact player year one. Lavert wasn't a year a one impact true. player year one. Very it was true. their second year that all both of those guys took huge leaps forward. And there's nothing to suggest that he's not going to do the same thing. I mean, you look at, you go down the list, Ambry, Lavert, uh, Jordan Lewis. I mean, I guess we can count Selden, the 2020 commit in there too, because I know the everyone in the area thinks he's going to be a, a eventual like big time cornerback. I think Ambry's the one with the highest ceiling of any of them personally. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. At least at this, again, now it's all bared out. It's all borne out for Lewis. I mean, he's, clearly established himself as a quality cornerback in the NFL. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and was got all the accolades and everything like that. Uh, but I think just based off of pure skill alone, I mean, I think Ambry is, is the top guy. I mean, really the funny thing is coming out of high school, you could have argued that Lewis was third behind Levert and Ambry. I do think you can make that argument based on yeah. what you can, right. 
you know, the measurables, this and that. Right. Yeah. Um, but, and that's the thing is like what these guys, what these kids all had in common and have in common is that, you know, Levert a little bit different, a lot like his brother Delano, very quiet, but there's still that, that dog mentality. I think they even call it that, that they have that so these guys are just cut from a different cloth in that area, the way that they approach the position. And that's a lot. I, we talked about Jermaine Crowell uh, as being a big primary driver behind that. I know those guys all have always said that Ambry is the guy with the highest ceiling. And yeah. so when you hear Don Brown, Harbaugh hyping him up already, uh, I think he's a guy that is primed to take off in a big way. Well, and they're hyping him up in a way that I think you can take more seriously because I think they've established, you know, like, oh, he's very, you know, he's working very hard. He's very serious. You know, he's, he's very talented, extremely talented, hit the ground running, this and that. I mean, that's, you know, Show me, show me an early enrollee or a, a local kid or a highly touted recruit that didn't get that sort of praise. But I thought Harbaugh was very sincere when he talked about Thomas's confidence and comfort growing. And Don Brown said like basically the exact same thing, you know. And and I think if anyone who saw that uh, that weird Harbaugh pr- promo video with the car and driving around Ann Arbor and how you know some of his players have more confidence in year two, I think he was referring very heavily toward. Thomas in in that respect. So, by the way, a couple stats on on Hill and Long. Uh, they they allowed 22 receptions in 13 games last year uh, on 60 targets. So, just over 1 in 3 uh and they played 561 combined coverage snaps. So, people only threw their way like 1 out of 10 times and they only completed it like what, 1 out of 25 times and in in those 60 targets, they allowed just 4.97 yards per attempt, zero touchdowns, four interceptions, and a combined passer rating of 65.05, which is worse than any team in the country and less than half of the NCAA average for a passer rating. Yeah, that's... And they ranked... Can they repeat that? Well, and that's that's a valid question, though, because they don't play... I mean, you know, like, let's be really blunt here they played some really crappy quarterback situations you know maryland was on their walk on air force uh probably isn't going to throw to their to the sidelines very much they're not going to attack the cornerbacks you know uh minnesota and michigan state those were really doo-doo weather games minnesota also didn't have a quarterback and i had the stat uh they michigan's opponents ranked 51.07th in the fpi last year but as far as passer rating and yards per game, they were 74.6th in passer rating and 80.8th in passing yards per game. So it was, I, as far as like the 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 PFF stats, I think that those are going to drop a bit unless they really grow because it's just it's just hard to be thrown at so rarely and convert so often when you are thrown at. But I do think there that this is the year I would expect their pass breakup interception numbers to to increase a bit. And like, you know, again, you're probably going to allow a receiving touchdown once in your career. You know, even Jordan Lewis did. So, so I don't, to answer your your thought, I don't think that they'll repeat it, but I don't think it matters as much because it's about conversion efficiency. Like, it's like how many times did the other team get to do what it wanted to do? And I think that sort of dominance, that's going to stay the same, even though they're playing, you know, more, more, I mean, basically everyone they play, everyone they played last year has a, that they play this year has a better quarterback situation. 
right? Like there's not they're not going to face Ryan Brand. They're not going right. to face Gio Resigno. Uh, they're not going to face you know I mean you know Michigan State, uh, Penn State, and Wisconsin all bring back their quarterbacks. Indiana brings back their quarterback. So I agree. So the, yeah. Flip side, flip side though. What if those? So they did that. Let's say they did it against primarily subpar. Uh, competition at quarterback last year mm-hmm. and let's say that they did it and like but didn't play to their potential yet either though that's where that's the kind of because again two both these guys were first year starters last year so it's possible i'm again because i don't i'm with you i don't necessarily think that those those crazy stats that you listed off are going to be repeated this year but I don't think it's possible the drop-off might not be as bad as you think just because they're playing teams that might be more effective in throwing the ball because it's very possible that both of these guys have gotten a lot better too. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. And, and they can certainly grow into that, yeah. Right. It's just kind of a weird dynamic. You know, that's the thing is, like, we – we with like, think about all the guys we talked about who were first-year starters last year. We don't really know if they've hit their ceiling or not yet because they've only we've only seen one year's worth of work you know and so uh, that's where it's gonna be kind of interesting you know like does you say Hudson like by the end of the year was so effective like could he is he gonna be like that every Saturday now or could he even be could he be even better like is he the prototype for Don Brown at the Viper spot you know which it's a high production volume type position Mm -hmm. so I think that's that's going to be one of the interesting dynamics here is like is it going to be progression like is is it will there be hidden progression inside potential statistical regression does that make sense like where yes passing numbers maybe they give up a little bit more than they did last year like the raw numbers bear that out but in actuality they probably played better football top to bottom than they did you know just as the cornerbacks for an example, but just across the board, it's going to be, they should be fresher throughout the game because they should have an offense that'll be able to like put together some first downs consistently. Yeah. You know, that's, <laughs> so that'll be an interesting part of it too. So one, one position where, I mean, cause we've basically gone back in the defense and basically made the case that Michigan has six defensive starters who are all big 10 starters, you know, and, and again, you know, there are other teams and other players step up and break out. I mean, I don't think, you know, you never know who's going to be as good as, you know, this or that. But as far as being top 10-ish in the country, I think Michigan has six defensive players who are at that at their position. But they do not have that at the safety position. Tyree Kindle and Josh Metellus uh, ranked pretty much average to below average in all the various ways you could you want to judge safeties against the run 79th and 177th out of 191 against in tackling efficiency 139 and 49 out of 225 uh, you know they they allowed uh 8.7 yards per t- attempt pass attempt on them the rest of the team combined for one 5.16 you know and they allowed about a third about a third of Michigan's receiving yards went against those two and half of their touchdowns did, and they only had two picks. So curious what your thoughts are on the safety position. You know, we saw Jameric Woods got starter snaps. Uh, I don't think that was a complete upheaval because Josh Metellus did end up playing more in that game. Uh, But curious what you think of 
or or have heard about Tyree Kendall because in Josh Mantellis because they both showed good things. You know, I don't think I I said in the in the story I wrote like, you know, they're not the liabilities fans make them out to be. They no. just aren't at that championship caliber level, or they weren't. Now we'll see what they do this year, but they also have guys, you know, kind of waiting waiting their turn. Jameric Woods, uh, Casey Hughes, probably the least talked about grad transfer uh, in, that I can remember. You know, Jalen Kelly Powell. Uh, I guess what do, what do you make of the safety position? Do you think anyone else makes a start, or and then also what do you make of Metellus and Kennel? Does anyone else make a start? So the Casey Hughes is like the most like under talked about or under like, like you wouldn't even know he's part of the team. No. The way that it's been covered. Cause actually I'm in the middle of putting together like a, uh, kind of like the 10 questions nobody's asking type. Okay. Article about the team. What you say that like you were doing something similar. No, I've been doing my three questions series. Okay. That's a, but yeah. I was thinking, like, there are ones that, like, nobody is, like, in, in case. Yeah, yours will be interesting, like, yeah. It's almost, like, number one. It's like, well, what about this guy? Like, coming over from the Pac-12. Starting cornerback in the, in the Pac-12. Yeah, like, it's, and, and nobody's talking about what he could add. You know, I think that's crazy a little bit. So, um, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I think Metellus really struggled near the end of the year. I think he had a tough game against Ohio State. Um the thing about him too, I don't. I feel like he's been fortunate. Like the he plays like uber aggressively in coverage, and I would just you'd watch the game, and I'd always think that he's just going to get flagged for pass interference at a bad, bad time, and uh, you know because he's very grabby and uh, and very touchy once he. And I don't know if that's if as like sort of a vet move to maybe make up. I don't necessarily know if he's not like a burner necessarily. And uh, it's going to be interesting. I know Woods is a guy that they were immediately high on mm-hmm. after they got him up. I don't think it's a coincidence that he worked his way into the starters role against South Carolina. I agree. I know Mattel has played a lot, but I think Woods is sort of a ascending player that, that Harbaugh, the phrase that Harbaugh would probably use. Yeah. <laughs> an ascending player. I know Brad Hawkins too. Okay. I was um, curious. Cause I, I haven't heard like, a single yeah, thing about think, Brad Hawkins. No, I think Hawkins, I want to say John Brown mentioned it. Somebody mentioned him. Maybe Partridge mentioned him this spring. Okay, I'll have um, to go back and look. Yeah, Brad Hawkins, a guy. Um, you know, freshman-wise, I don't know. I mean, Miles Sims is a cornerback, but would they give him some? Well, they're probably going to give him so long. You know, we, we talk about all these players that are so talented and are doing such – great things statistically I mean they have to be looking at that corner position saying okay Ambrini and Miles Sims need some run because they might be the starters in 2019 yeah that's and that, that's kind of the other thing you got to prep for you know and that's but here's the flip side though I mean I can just tell you like Michigan is definitely pitching to Daxton Hill that he could walk in and start next year at so, corner I don't know safety okay well they can make that pitch for sure yeah well what i'm saying when we're talking about the safeties too is like there's there are opportunities there you know and so um what that says about what they currently have i don't really know i don't know it doesn't necessarily mean much with a guy like because hill is just kind of a he's one of the highest rated safeties i can remember 
period in the rankings. So, mm-hmm. um, but they can, but, but at the same time though, to me, it says that if they think that there's an opportunity there right away, um, you know, maybe there's some question or not a lot of wiggle room. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting, but Hey, one more, since I think yeah. we talked about everyone who I see as a play, like a meaningful snap candidate. One, I'm curious your thoughts about Benjamin St. Juice. That's the only one I think we haven't mentioned. Uh, but he was hurt all of bowl prep, all of spring practice. But, I mean, you were, I think, you know, 24-7 had him as a top 100 recruit. He was kind of like that Eric Gray deal where apparently we were seeing something no one else was seeing, you know, with his with his freakish athletic talents. I mean, is he, is he someone that could play this year, or does he need a year of better health to acclimate more to the college game? Because he was also playing pretty I mean what I assume was not very good teams in Canada yeah he was a he was a long-term guy from the beginning um and not in a bad way right but he's fought he's fought he's had some bumps and bruises too though Mm -hmm. uh I believe when they were in Paris I think Don Brown had mentioned he fought through some stuff at the end of the year last year so um you know he's another one of those intriguing guys um he was definitely a guy that i think he was ranked properly based just based off of the way that barton and and their kind of criteria uh great shuttle time yeah really it's under fluid. four seconds yeah <laughs> no really fluid like very fluid hips at the cornerback position um held it definitely held his own at the opening which of course was really the yeah for a kid coming from Canada was really kind of the you know more important for him than it is for probably 99% of the guys because he hasn't played anybody you know and so uh and he more than held his own Mm -hmm. and so you know he's a guy it's gonna be interesting to see uh but you're not expecting it this year he could okay it's just you have I think you're gonna have a set three for sure with Thomas, Hill, and Long, obviously. And then Watson's in the mix there somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, and then, so Saint, is St. Saint Juice 5? Um, I mean, my money would be yes, provided he's staying healthy. But, again, you, I mean, you know, Miles Sims is very talented, too. Yeah. And uh, even Jamon Green. Okay. Again, Jamon Green was a top, a top, top, top target for Michigan the entire cycle in 18. Just because he wasn't a a four-star guy according to our rankings or I don't know if anyone had him as a four um, doesn't mean that they can't play, you know? So, right. you know, that's the thing, you know, we'll, we'll just have to see, but I, I would, I would assume that he'll see some playing time this year. Uh, it's just, I don't know how much. Mm-hmm. Well, that just about covers Michigan's defense. Hopefully there will be very few questions about Michigan's defense for the next few podcasts. Uh, Cause that was a thorough breakdown. By the way, one thing to add about the secondary, you know, we talked about how deep that defensive line is. The secondary has just as many, six players with with game experience uh, returning with a recruiting rating in the composite of 89.0 or more. Six. So yeah. it's like in the same boat, you know, and I did the three questions for the secondary today or last night. I was like, wow, this is a a little bit more loaded and talented of a group than I, you know, because I, I had kind of gone in thinking, okay, Hill and Long, super good. Everyone else, you know, 
to be determined, but it's there's there's definitely some talent there. They've recruited cornerback as good as any other position on their you know as they probably should, right, given the track record. (laughs) I think so. I mean but it goes back to trying to think Lewis. You know, you got it the Hoke staff obviously they, they you would have to give them a win or a hit on Channing Stribling. Yes. Uh, he was really lowly ranked. I think he, you have to give him a big win on Jeremy Clark, too, um, who was a two-star, like, no-nothing burger when they recruited him. And he, I mean, he got drafted. You know, Stribling didn't even get drafted. Clark got drafted, you know. And, and so you have to get – so the the really you could argue that the – scouting and development at that the cornerback position has just kind of maybe continued uh you know because you can't say you can't say that the hoax staff didn't do a great job in identifying and uh developing some of those guys you know and so uh yeah it's it's been one of the they're not like nobody's going to be sitting here with the whole like michigan's not dbu or any of that stuff yet but they're definitely trending upwards in that regard. I mean, they're, you know, you assume Hill and Long both have good years. You know, one or both of them could go mm-hmm. and would definitely be drafted. And then all of a sudden you have, what, four, four corners yeah. three years. You know, and the only reason nobody was drafted last year is because, or this was because there were none <laughs> that came out. So, right. Um, you know what I mean? So there's they're definitely trending up there in the in the big picture sense, but um yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, we got a question mm, sleeper of the year and most rated player on the team. Uh I can give you some time to think. I think we can stick with defense because we're talking about it so much, but uh but sleeper of the year I I are people sleeping on Josh Ross? Is that allowed to be if if that counts, I I'd, I'd pick him. Uh, if not, I think I I think I'd go with Casey Hughes because sure. I mean they have they have a very designed. I think one thing about grad transfers is like you're always concerned about like how are they going to fit in with the team that they joined out of nowhere for one final year. It's not quite like basketball where it's like you know you can just add a LeBron James to your team and make the NBA Finals. You know whatever team you are. It's it's there's actually more of a fit, but it seems like they have a really good role for him. They want him to be the slot coverage guy, kind of your go-to. Now maybe Ambry Thomas kind of takes that role, but but you know the guys the the people that line up in the slot, they're gonna put Casey Hughes on a little bit more, and and you know if he's able to specialize in that kind of role, I mean that could that could you know flip the script on the whole safety talk this year. So so that'd be my sleeper, most rated. Uh, that's a reference to us last week when Good we called question. we called Christian Turner the most rated player on the team or of, of the recruiting class. I'd say, let's see who is who is adequately because I think it should be someone that was underrated until they got a lot of talk about how underrated they were to the point sure. where they're they're equally rated. So I would say uh, maybe David Long's trending toward that, you know, because no. now everyone's talking about how underrated he is. True, we are, but nobody else is. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there might be others within the Michigan market yeah. I guess, that are saying the same thing, but I just mean on a national scale. Um, I, I think the other guy would be like a like a 
Devin Bush, you know, sure. getting her heralded as this top three player after people were like, he's so underrated. No one talks about right. him. Right. Rated. Let's see. Who's the most, who's, who is rated? Um, how about McCune? Oh, I think you were. Are we still doing, on defense? Yeah, I was going to do defense. Uh, but you're right. McCune and Gentry are probably guys who were like under talked about, under talked about. And now, now they get all this praise. Kron Higdon's probably in a similar boat. Yep, I was going to say Higdon's another guy offensively. Uh, defensively, who's the most rated? Um, man, that is a tough one actually. Well, because they the defense gets talked about probably as much as any defense in the country. Right, right. It, I mean, it really could be. Uh, Winovich. Yeah. Is he not? I mean, he's gotten enough. He's gotten quite a bit of national pub. And no know, one's saying he's like a, you know, he should win. He should be an All American. Right. So he's kind of in, you know, because Rashawn Gary gets ranked as like the ninth best player in the country, and this is not a right. dig at Rashawn, but I kind of look at that and I'm like, really? Like, like he might not even be the best player in Michigan's defensive line. Right. I think they. I think I'm guessing the idea there is is that potential. He's yeah, he'll keep getting better, and I and again, I think it would be inaccurate. But I think a lot of people also would see Winovich as maxed out or a guy that has maybe reached his ceiling, which is ironic because I remember Madison this spring mentioning that Winovich got by last year almost based purely off of just motor and hmm. and want and want it. And that really he's still had a long ways to go technique wise. And so that's the thing. You know, you have to wonder, like, the coaches, like, they talk about these guys individually, how much better they can get, and you're kind of like, yeah, okay. Um, but what if they do, you know? And so, uh, but I would say Chase, I don't know, defense is really hard to say yeah. who's the most rated. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, they do get the, I mean, we just talked literally for an hour about it. So, uh, sleeper pick on the defense? Uh I mean, it has to be Hughes because he's not just being slept. I mean, people are passed out in the corner and snoring <laughs> at him. Like, because you're literally not even seeing his name mentioned. In like depth chart um, projections, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and like, so who knows? I mean, maybe he comes in and, and doesn't, you know, it's not saying it could be like Wayne Lyons. But it could. Two, I mean. But, it very, but you never know. And it could very, yeah, and that's kind of the thing. So, but just, just I be, you know, it has to be him. Um, you know, they saw a need there, obviously, right? So you have to think that the possibility is there uh, for some playing time and and to make an impact. So um, I'm gonna, I think he's kind of the easy choice. Although I would say this, I would say, I think Kyrie Cannell has a a really good. I think he has a senior season that builds off of his. Okay. Yeah. I think he gets better. I think he takes a step forward this year. Well, yeah, because I think the safety's got a little bit of a of a bad rap. And like, I was looking at their stats and it's like, they were like above average. They weren't, I think they were just like hurt because the rest of the defense was at this Supreme level and, and they just weren't there. But again, first year starters, kind of a complicated position. Right. Uh, per, I would be curious to look at a study to see how first year starters do it. All the different positions on the defense. I would imagine safety might take maybe corner, but I would imagine safety might take the longest because there's so much, involved in it so anyway let's transition to recruiting we don't have a ton of time because we don't want to make this go on for 
two, three hours because you have a lot to do. I have a lot to do. Our listeners have a lot to do. But but recruiting, we got a whole bunch of recruiting questions. You looked them over. I will let you decide because I don't think we have time to answer all of them, which ones you want to answer. Uh, but stuff about the five stars uh, that they're still targeting, you know, Hill, Harrison, Karlaftis, Crouch, uh, Ford is now a five star, and then you know some of these other guys. I, what 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 is what should fans know this week in recruiting? Because they didn't pick up any commits. You know, we're not going to do a barbecue list breakdown because those those things change literally up until the event happens. But what what's what's the relevant stuff to know about recruiting this week? I mean, not there's not really it's I don't know. The board is set, so the chips are kind of on the table now. We know not that we didn't know, but I don't we know more now that who Michigan wants, who they're gonna kinda who they're gonna narrow in on. And uh not a lot of clarification in any of those races. Uh not really gonna touch on Zach Harrison or Daxon Hill. I mean we've done that almost every week now, so um I I think Really, I, I would. I guess if there's anything to take away the last week, recruiting-wise, I do. I think these rankings like justify. So, like, I did the podcast with uh, Brian and Ace at MGo Blog over the weekend, and they had mentioned that in looking at this class, even compared to 2018, you, that you would turn on the film and say, "Man, this guy really think looks like he's right. Should be rated higher or ranked higher than what he is." And uh, I felt that way too with this, this cycle in 18 to me, it was more of, you know, we talk about like guy like Welsh off, like just being a clear project, um, which really actually kind of ironically enough, Welsh off, we had him as a four star 24 seven. So it's not like he wasn't, didn't get some love. He but, was rated. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was, <laughs> as a, he was, he was rated. Um, you know, but there were some guys they took in 18, particularly in the defensive backfield uh, that I thought thought were, you know, project type guys that really just off the film and off of, uh, you know, that maybe were ranked pretty fairly, even though they weren't ranked high. This class I felt a little bit differently about with some of these guys, like Ojaba was an obvious one. Um, I think Velasquez eventually, uh, even though those guys like Velasquez, uh, Newberg, those guys didn't make any moves into the top 24 seven, but um, you know, like a guy like Charbonnet, or Charbonnet, I actually still, because I've never talked to the kid still, uh, don't know how to pronounce it, but um, between him and Gray, you know, Michigan all of a sudden has their two highest-ranked running back recruits that I can remember since Derek Green. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and it kind of bears out their evaluation at the position. I mean, he was a kid, Zach was a kid that we had identified – like I said, well before we knew that Michigan was going to win the recruitment as a guy we identified as somebody that Michigan felt like was a top five back in the country, and now he's ranked number four. And so um, I think there's some I think there's some uh, justification for Michigan's evaluations, uh, and and people should it's today's release of the rankings maybe should be another yet another indicator that this staff knows what they're doing when it comes to evaluating prospects. So, um, have got eight in the top 24 seven now. Yeah. That's a nuts. That's and and they're in what good. They're in a, they could potentially 
when they're in, they're very in it for like five or like six of the top 30 remaining too. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the foundation is there for something special. Um, it, to me, it'll, it'll come down now to on the field play in most cases. So, um, you know, so we'll see. I mean, it, I think they've done a heck of a job though, this cycle. And that, that's probably the biggest takeaway, you know, right now, dead period. I think most of the coaches are on vacation. Um, so it's not as if there's like a lot of juicy information out there or anything. Um, in my opinion, I think anything you've read recently on any top targets is probably a little embellished. It is a slower period of the year. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so, yeah, so yeah. Okay, cool. Well, with that, we'll wrap it up. Uh, Hans Rasmussen had a nice question of what, what should Michigan fans do during July when basically everything being written is like, you know, or a lot of the major news is, you know, as Steve mentioned, you know, it's not even the coaches are doing anything. It's speculative things or it's preview stuff or it's NBA summer league content. Uh, to that, I would say one, uh, go outside. I don't know where you live, Hans, but, but where I live in Ann Arbor, it's never, it's very rarely weather as good as it is, is, is in July. So it's definitely something you want to appreciate. Find some water to swim in, or, or, or something. Uh, but also read all of our stuff because you know Steve mentioned he's got some some good stuff on the rankings. He's got good stuff on the questions no one's talking about. I have the questions people are talking about, and that series is wrapping up. But it's it's certainly a lot of content. So check it all out at themichiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. However you'd like to get there. But for Steve Lorenz on the phone, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. I hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you next time.